Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco. And of course, to welcome you to our Meet the Artist program this evening, which happens to be opening night of program five. And it's Friday, March 20th, and it's 2015. And we are more than halfway through the season, which is kind of amazing to think of. Um, as you know, the Center for Dance Education pre, uh, produces a number of adult education programs as well as programs for children, community matinees here in the Opera House, a renowned program out in the community. And our adult education programs include these on Friday evenings and Sunday matinees. And of course, the points of view programs, interviews and lectures that take place on Wednesdays here in the Opera House, and those are open to anyone. You don't have to be ticketed. I know some folks like to come back and enjoy those even though they've already seen a performance or before they plan to see one down the week. Um, this evening, it is my pleasure to be in conversation with uh, Christopher Stoll. And Christopher Stoll, thank you. Welcome. Um, has quite a pedigree and is uh, very familiar to many in this audience. Uh, perhaps uh, those of you who are more newcomers will uh, be wondering why that would be. Uh, Christopher has a very deep pedigree in the dance world, which goes back into San Francisco ballet history. We don't need to belabor that, but uh, both we'll of leave dates out. Okay. Um, both your parents or just your father dance in San Francisco Ballet? Uh, my father was in the company, but my, my mother trained in the school. Okay. Yeah. A generation or two ago. Yes. <laughs> and um, then uh, Christopher is currently uh, a ballet master and assistant to artistic director and principal choreographer Helgi Thomason. And in between, you've had quite a quite an adventuresome career. Uh, 16 of those years, I believe, as a dancer here at San Francisco Ballet. Yes, exactly, 16 years here. So somehow in the next 25 minutes, we would love to know where you've been, what you've been doing. Let's go back just as far as 1985, and you became a dancer here at San Francisco Ballet. Where did you come from? Um, so I was actually studying at the School of American Ballet in New York after having received most of my training at Pacific Northwest Ballet in Seattle where my parents were the um, artistic directors of the school and company. Um, and then after graduation from high school, I went to the School of American Ballet, which is the training ground for the New York City Ballet, where my parents had had their dancing careers. And at the end of a year there, um, after having done all the leading roles in the, in the graduation performance of the school, um, I discovered that everybody behind me got into the New York City Ballet, but I did not. <laughs> um, however, to my great luck, um, Helgi Thomason was retiring from dancing that year and was looking for dancers to join him to join the San Francisco Ballet as he took over as artistic director. So in fact, Helgi's first official day as the director of the San Francisco Ballet was my first official day as a dancer here. And that was July 1st, 1985. Yeah. And it's just not even a math game to know we're celebrating Helgi's 30th anniversary, so there we go. And he and I were both 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, you danced 
an extraordinary repertoire while you were here. Um, quick highlights. Yeah, I, I have to say I was incredibly lucky. Um, joining the company as a new regime and a new tradition was being formed um, allowed me or gave me the opportunity to get exciting roles from the from the very beginning. Um, Helgi understandably wanted to put his stamp on the company and take it in, in a new direction and I was one of the handful of dancers that he hired. The company was about 50 or so dancers and I think maybe four or five of us joined newly that year. Um, I was 18 years old and um, I was dancing leading roles within the first year and that just doesn't happen all the time and so my timing was was um, uh, it, it was a significant um, had a significant role in how my career unfolded. Um, I was lucky enough to have Helgi create works on me, and then also he had such a great eye for choreographers right in the beginning that um, unknown names like William Forsyth and James Kudelka were coming to choreograph ballets on us, and we didn't know who they were necessarily. Um, so I got the opportunity to work with these great um, creators right from the beginning, and even had some holdover repertoire from Michael Spuhn and my father were in the were in the San Francisco Ballet together. They in fact. They left, they grew up in Salt Lake, a little connection here, um, and moved to San Francisco at the same time to join the San Francisco Ballet. So Michael Smeon had been a longtime family friend. So I, I was lucky enough to sort of bridge all worlds there, do Michael's ballets, do Helgi's ballets, and um, have wonderful roles created on me by these um, young and upcoming choreographers that ended up being very, very important and continue to be in, in the dance world. And um, because this is going to take us forward in our conversation, some of your roles were in contemporary works, abstract works. Many of your roles were demi-character or character roles. Um, how did that form you as in thinking ahead to as your career has moved forward? Hmm, I'm trying to think. I, there's almost, I, I, I don't think there were any roles that I wasn't interested in tackling as long as they were meaty. I mean, I had an ego. I didn't want to be in the back. But <laughs> otherwise, um, a, a real variety of roles interested in me. Um, I, of course, grew up with um, a, a, the Balanchine tradition largely. Um, so I was very happy to be cast in many of the roles that I'd seen um, uh, many famous dancers uh, dance over the years, and those came my way early on, and that was really, um, I felt like I had something to contribute to the company because I came from that tradition and it felt very comfortable to me. But I also have, I believe, or a, a very theatrical streak, and I loved anything that had acting challenges and any sort of sense of theatricality, and got to do great roles like um, Alain in La Fille Malgardée by Sir Frederick Ashton, early on, and I was actually um, taught the role and coached by Alexander Grant, the originator of it, um, that Ashton choreographed it for. I will actually just digress for a second and never forget that he would chase me around this theater in rehearsals. He had almost no corrections for anybody else in the two and a half hour ballet, but all of them for me. <laughs> and every time we took a five, I would run to my dressing room and hide because he would have more and more tips for me. And I just, at one point, I, I, I couldn't take any more information. <laughs> but looking back, what a great experience to learn the role from the originator. Um, I'm also remembering uh, Helgi's uh, Romeo and Juliet. And I know you danced a number of, of the character roles in that, I think, didn't you? I only ever did Mercutio in that. I, okay. He created it partly on me. Yeah. Um, I, I, probably if I had to choose one role, which I hope never 
to have to do. Um, but if someone forced me, I might choose Mercutio as the most satisfying thing that I danced. Mm -hmm. Because it was um, challenging technically too, but all the technique is in service of the story and the character. And I, I, I love that um, duality there or that, that necessary combination that nothing is gratuitous. Mercutio needs to be a brilliant dancer because we're telling a story and dance that is originally in words and he is witty on the page, so I needed to be witty physically. So I liked that um, how I danced and what, I, what technical accomplishments I could bring to the stage were in service of explaining who the character was. And it's also a really fantastic ballet that Helgi choreographed and the Prokofiev score has, there's so many riches to mine in it that you could, you could never become bored. Mm -hmm. You retired at the point that that had that you chose to have that happen. Mm -hmm. Then um, retiring dancers have luckily have a lot of choices, and often dancers become teachers, and choreographers, and administrators, and artistic directors. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have done all those things. <laughs> it turns out I have, yes. <laughs> so walk us through some of that and the pleasures you got out of different things and mm -hmm. challenges. I will say, um, looking back at the transition from dancing into the next phase of my career, which can be very hard for performing artists, um, it went, in hindsight, remarkably smoothly. And I had a very... Um, uh, easygoing attitude about it, surprisingly, I, and I only see this now. But I, when I was decided to stop dancing, I was doing it because, well, because my body hurt, but, but also because I was ready to not be thinking about myself all the time. Um, that's part of the career, actually. You have to focus on your health, your career, your well-being, your preparation for your performance and everything, which when you're 18 to 25, that sort of makes sense. We were a little bit selfish at that phase in our life. But later, I really didn't want to be thinking about myself all the time. So um, alongside my body starting to give me messages that it couldn't do this forever, my repertoire was actually very challenging. It was very physically demanding. If I had had a different kind of repertoire, I might have lasted longer, but I didn't want to um, do my roles at a, at a diminished level because they required a certain amount of um, physical uh, um, expertise or ability. In any case, um, when I decided to stop dancing, I was looking for something that allowed me to think about other people and not myself, and I decided to not uh, do anything right away. And a few things came up. I choreographed a ballet here or there. I, I taught in, in Japan. I actually entered the opera world a little bit and did some, uh, created some dances for operas and assisted directors in directing operas, which I found very interesting. I'm a big opera fan. Um, and it turned out that it was really a really healthy approach. I'm not giving myself a compliment. I didn't know. It just happened to be right. Um, because about a year after stopping dancing and doing this variety of um, freelance work, I had the urge to be part of a team again. And it was important for me to get that urge because having worked here for 16 years, you, you do need sometimes to remove yourself from a big organization that you've, I mean, I, I worked in one building and then I crossed the street and I worked in another building, this one, for 16 years. It was good to sort of see other things and work with other people and find out what else was out there. Um, but like I said, after a year, I was starting to get the urge to really be part of a team. You can only make so much of a difference as a freelance person. 
And luckily, I got a phone call asking me if I would um, apply for the directorship of the ballet company in Portland, Oregon. And again, with the ego of youth, I had every intention of getting that position, and I did. Um, and I went there and had a great experience for almost 10 years, um, and then really saw that there were limitations to what um, a community the size of Portland can support, and I'd been part of one of the major arts institutions in the world, and had relatively lofty ideas, or actually maybe not ideas, ideas, ideals and values, and felt like I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't want to compromise those. So it felt like a, a good time to um, make a change, having done a lot of good work in Portland and feeling like I left the company at a new level, but wanting to do the same thing again, remove myself from an institution and find out, um, put myself in a position where I was hungry to be part of a team again. And luckily, once again, I came back here as a freelance uh, coach and teacher, and Helgi and I started talking, and it seemed like the right time to join a team again, and what better team to join than this one? Well, we're delighted to have you back, because I know we're going to be able to mine all those years of experience. I'm absolutely guessing that when Romeo and Juliet rolls around the end of the season, you will have had a hand in some of the rehearsing. I have already, coaching. actually, yeah, yeah. Helgi yeah. was very interested in me taking on um, coaching the, the Mercutios and Benvolios, yeah. It's interesting because these ballets, you know, they morph over time without um, uh, any particular reason, but um, it is kind of nice to have someone recall the original point behind um, some of the steps or the musicality or the dramatic interaction that, you know, goes into the ether over time. doesn't matter that it might change in good ways, but it's always good for dancers to get back and find out what was the point of this originally. And I, I remember what the point was. <laughs> oh, yeah. For those of you who came in after we started, um, I'm delighted to be in conversation with Christopher Stoll, who is currently a ballet master and assistant to the artistic director. And that's kind of a direction I'd like to go now. How, um, how does the artistic director decide on having assistants? And what, now there are two of you, uh, you and Ricardo Bustamante share the title. Uh, do you divide the workload? How, how do you assist the artistic director? Well, Ricardo and I um, have very different uh, job descriptions and um, assignments, actually. Our titles are the same, but we go in, in very different directions. And to be honest, the, the role I'm in is constantly morphing, and I feel like that's the right thing for it to do. This is a big organization with a lot going on, and um, my basic tactic has been to see where there's a crack and fill it. You know, if something if there isn't enough time or enough personnel or enough energy to fulfill something, I, I will slip in there and try to provide um, that communication or that support or that information. Um, uh, a lot of my duties are being a liaison between the artistic side of things and, and the administrative side of things. So I sit on the executive team um, so that uh, what we are doing in the artistic department can 
we can make sure that there's an understanding of it at, at the administrative level and, and the other direction as well. Um, Helgi certainly can't be in all meetings all the time, so it's good for uh, for someone to be representing um, the artistic side of things. And I and I do it at board meetings and finance committee meetings and even um, social gatherings for donors and board members and stuff like that. And I really enjoy being able to talk about the art to people that. Um, I was about to say need, they probably don't need, but are um, hungry to hear more uh, detail and depth about what we do and why it's important because they're already engaged and supportive of what we do. And I, I, really, I really want to um, give people that, those layers to have it be even more satisfying for them to either come to the performance or, or be supportive financially or anything. Do you have the opportunity to teach? I teach a lot, actually, yeah. Um, I'm one of the company teachers. Uh, I enjoy teaching very much. Um, I will say it's very different uh, teaching a company as a, a member of the artistic staff as opposed to being the artistic director because I taught a lot in Portland, too. I feel like I've had to shift how I go about things. To be completely frank, when the artistic director walks in and teaches, everybody hops to it, and it's that's just there's no choice about it. Um, so I wasn't fully aware how much that was true until you're not the artistic director. So then you have to say, okay, now how am I gonna manipulate or how am I gonna create an atmosphere in this classroom that is inspiring and supportive and uh, creates trust that I am here to help you? Um, and don't, um, uh, there, well, maybe I should be quiet. <laughs> That's a great candid observation, good. And then uh, you have mentioned choreography. Is that something you plan to pursue, hope to pursue, may pursue? Uh, I guess all of those things, it, uh, um, uh, being new to this role now and the, uh, the season and the expectations of this big organization and s how much we do, it's not on the front burner right now. But people do my ballets in other companies and I, I, I have thought recently, I wanna make sure I don't lose touch with that. Sure. But not, not at the forefront right this second. And there's plenty of time. We hope, oh, yeah. We hope. <laughs> um, I do wanna make sure we invite the audience to ask questions. Again, those of you who've dribbled in, this is Christopher Stoll, assistant to the artistic director and a ballet master and former um, principal dancer with San Francisco Ballet. Um, questions? Yes, sir. Let's repeat the question. Um, the man with the excellent diction and, uh, are you a singer? You, you did great. <laughs> um, he's uh, asking if um, I would consider doing character roles, having um, enjoyed doing um, uh, dramatic works when I was uh, still performing. I, you know, two things. One practical thing is um, uh, character roles post-dancing are usually kings and fathers and stuff like that. I, I, I'm not the right stature for kings and fathers. So there's that, just practical. The other thing is honestly, I take performing really, really seriously and I have a hard time 
taking a note, being supportive of a dancer, making sure everybody's backstage and we've replaced the injured person and then running on stage and also performing. I did, it, I did Drosselmeyer and Nutcracker in Portland um, because people thought it might be interesting that the director would do that. And I honestly didn't enjoy it at all because I couldn't focus on performing. I, I'm, I'm, as you already heard me say, as a performer, I'm very, very selfish. I want to be completely focused on the task at hand. So I'm not saying I, I would love to perform again if the role were right, but I wouldn't want to do it um, with other responsibilities all at the same time. That's not the kind of performer I am. Um, an answer or a question from over here. Uh, the question is if, if I'm involved in the conversations around programming and bringing in new works. Uh, to a certain extent, um, uh, the artistic staff and Helgi and I will look at you know, what the repertoire for next season might be. It's certainly, at the end of the day, completely Helgi's choice, but sometimes we discuss you know, would this ballet be a better fit or that one, or should we look at the casting to see if too many of the same dancers will be in all of the ballets of the evening? And and I have brought suggestions to him, certainly, like, you know, uh, I don't know, for a gala, somebody needs a pas de deux. Oh, have you ever seen this by so-and-so? It might suit them, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's really uh, Helgi's almost main purpose is to do um, the programming. So I'm supportive in any way I can, but it's, obviously his, his territory. That's an interesting question. So the question is around what ballets go into a season and then how do you put them together in programs? Um, again, that's, that's all uh, Helgi's um, uh, territory completely, but having done it myself as a director also, um, it, it's, uh, it can be quite challenging. You want a variety within the season, then you want a variety within an evening, and here, because there are so many performances, you even want a variety when two programs are uh, alternating, because people very well might be going to the ballet twice in a week or, or, or at least twice in 10 days or something. Um, I know it's very important for Helgi for there to be an arc to an evening, and I think that's important as well, certainly. Um, I think uh, we're always looking to expand our audiences um, and uh, bring new people to this art form, and I always found that there are people of any um, age or demographic that gravitate towards or think they gravitate towards something more classical and traditional or more um, contemporary and edgy or experimental. And it was always my, um, uh, my hope that I could create a program that got the people that thought they loved classical things to like something more contemporary and equally get to somebody who really likes something contemporary to see the physical prowess it takes to do the classical things and, and start to love the, um, the challenge of watching people surmount those, those technical uh, um, obstacles. So I think that arc is really important, not just for the, for, the, for the future of the art form, that you're always getting people to see new and different things in what we do. Um, your question, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure I do. So there are two young men here who are on, in, in the scholarship program at San Francisco Ballet School. What, what are your names, guys? 
Okay, Javier and Killian, nice to meet you. Um, how long have you been studying dance? Since September, okay. Let's see, words of wisdom. There's a lot of pressure here. Uh, so here, I'm gonna tell you something that's, that will be maybe weird to you. I grew up with ballet around me all the time, so I sometimes feel like I don't have the best stories for um, young people who are finding this art form for the, for, for the first time because I never knew a, a world that didn't have it in it every single day. So my advice to you is, first of all, you should enjoy yourself. Um, but it's gonna go through some arcs over time if you keep studying dance. There's gonna be a period where it might seem boring because there's um, a lot of uh, repetition and it's a lot about perfecting very simple things. So I'm hoping you're gonna remember that I said this, that it's worth sticking it out a little bit longer because once you get over that hump, all of those things that seem boring are gonna be the very reason you like dancing because you're gonna see that if you really focus and try hard, you can make your body do incredible things, but there's some science behind it and you have to pay attention to your teachers to understand the science. You got it? <laughs> yes, Javier. How many plays have I directed? So um, you mean like dances on the stage? Um, let's see, what. how can I interpret that? So I, I've made a bunch of dances, like I created them, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12. And then here at San Francisco Ballet this season, I have rehearsed a whole bunch of ballets. So I rehearsed The Nutcracker, and I'm gonna forget things now, shoot. <laughs> I can't remember, we've done a lot of ballets. This one I rehearsed a lot, actually, the one you're gonna see tonight. So Don Quixote, yeah, so I've been rehearsing the principal dancers in this. And um, the ones you're gonna see tonight, I have been rehearsing a little bit as well. So you better like them. <laughs> I wish that we had a lot more time, but there was something that is very important for me to say. Um, I hope you remember that you promised to go to um, the shop in the mezzanine, the ballet boutique, where, uh, for those of you who don't know, this season the company has produced a perfectly wonderful picture book. It's called The Lookbook. Somebody's holding one up there. And the, um, the lookbook has beautiful photography of the company currently, and I think staff and yeah. the um, supporting uh, organization, and it's become a kind of a thing, it's been fun, for people to bring their books and get as many signatures as they possibly could. Christopher has graciously agreed to go up to the boutique when we have finished here now, and he will be signing lookbooks. So if you don't have yours, they're on sale up there. If you did bring yours, be sure you get up there and collect Christopher's signature. Thanks for doing that. Oh, no problem. Also, if you have questions, I can talk while signing books very easily. Perfect. Yeah. Um, there was one, yeah, one minute. There was uh, another thing that I think is important for us as we're wrapping up to remind you these um, conversations are recorded and Eventually, they turn up on the San Francisco Ballet website, sfballet.org. So I always like to remind you, go to the website. You'll get lost, or not lost, you'll get, you'll get um, sucked in to the amazing amount of stuff that just keeps appearing on the website. Videos and interviews and the blog, which um, has fabulous pictures and stories from different dancers writing them. It's, it just gets richer all the time. 
and in there somewhere are the recordings of interviews we've done this season and seasons past. So I hope you'll try to do that sometime in the near future. I believe at this point, unfortunately, I know there are more questions, but Christopher said he'd be available to answer them. I'm going to say, enjoy this evening's performance of Don Quixote. There's, I don't have to tell you to, you will. And I want to thank you so much for being part of our conversation tonight. It's been a treat. Oh, it's my pleasure, Mary. Thank you so much. <laughs> enjoy. Thank you.